Paul, it's great to see you tonight. Guys, should we stand? We're going to have a time of worship. And uh, we're here tonight to celebrate. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is risen from the dead and that the power of death is broken. We also celebrate the new life that we have in Christ and that Beth has found and is witnessing to us in baptism. When we sing our songs tonight, guys, it's, it's a great day of celebration that Jesus is risen. So feel free to clap your hands, have a bit of a jump, feel whatever you feel you want to do to worship. And uh, let us proclaim of this risen Jesus together by declaring Jesus is risen. So we'll say, Jesus is risen. What's that you say? Jesus is risen. But he was dead. Jesus is risen. Nailed to a cross. Jesus is risen. Laid in a grave. Jesus is risen. Dead for three days. Jesus is risen. Now he's alive. Jesus is risen. Death overcome. Jesus is risen. Hope for us all. Jesus is risen. Shout with one voice. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. like to take your seats. So as I said at the, at the beginning of our service, it's a very exciting evening because it's the, the, the evening we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's an exciting evening because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with, with Beth Summerfield. And so in a few moments, we're going to be baptizing Beth. Um, we are here part of... Um, Nutley Baptist Church, you're probably wondering what, what the Baptist means if you're not someone who's, who's a part of this here, uh, this, this church on a normal occasion. Well, Baptist churches, there's lots of, lots of things I could say about that tonight, but one, one of the big things is that we, we in Baptist churches have had hot tubs before they were even thought of in the wider world, okay? So baptism is a significant, a very significant part of what we do, and believers' baptism, so we don't baptize babies and infants in, 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 in Baptist churches, but we wait until people come to a position where they can declare their, their own faith in Jesus, and then we, we baptize them at that point. And so we have this, this lovely pool here tonight, because baptism, we believe, is, is more, quite often, than, than actually just sprinkling of a, of a, of a child. Can we have the, uh, the PowerPoint, please? On my PowerPoint, there's uh, some pictures of baptisms taking place in different places. You can see there in, in uh, 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 rivers, in swimming pools, and as well, of course, in a pool like this here today. So that they're all in different places, but all, all people, just, just in a similar position to Beth, actually being baptized. But what does that word baptism what does it mean? Well, baptism is a Greek word, and it means to, means to be immersed in, fully immersed in things. So, like here, this unlucky fisherman. I hope there's no fisherman here this evening. Um, if you are, I apologize for that particular picture. Um, I'm sure you're a lovely person, really. But uh, obviously the fish get their own back in that one there. So the, the fisherman is being baptized by, by the fish. Um, it, means, it means to be completely immersed in, in water. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually an ex-submariner, so I, I used, to, used to drive submarines around the ocean, so submarines were baptized every time they dived uh, in, uh, under the sea. Okay. So that's really what baptism means. So it's about a full, a full immersion, so being immersed in this pool, um, but also there's more to it than that as well. Jesus said that baptism is actually a sign of our commitment uh, to him. Well, uh, what the Bible tells us it's a sign of our commitment to Jesus. 
Peter, who was one of Jesus' uh, first followers, you may have heard of him, he was a fisherman, wasn't that fisherman on that particular slide I looked at just now, but another fisherman, he, he actually um, had a pretty, a pretty uh, up and down experience through life following Jesus. He denied Jesus three times uh, on, the, on, the, on the Thursday before Jesus died. Um, but a few, a few weeks after Jesus rose again from the dead, he preached an amazing sermon. And this is what he said at the end of it. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, Peter, on that day, had actually been preaching to a crowd of many, many thousands of people as the Holy Spirit fell upon, upon Peter and, his, and his, his, his friends. They preached and told people about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and about what God has done in Jesus. And we'll talk more about that later on this evening. The people in the crowd were amazed at what they heard and they said, we've got to do something. What, what is it we have to do? And what it is they had to do was this, was to repent which means to turn away from your sin. The word repent means instead of walking this way in my life and doing things my way, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk God's way. So repenting is an about turn, if you like. There. Okay, so it's about repenting and then being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, Beth is saying, I've decided in my life that I need to repent. I'm going to turn away from living life my way. I'm going to live my life Jesus' way. And as a sign of doing that, I'm going to get baptized in front of all these people, many of whom I've never met before. It's going to be great, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's going to be great. Okay, um, so when, when Beth is in the pool, we've baptized her. Kate and I, who is going to be in the water with me, um, will we'll actually then pray for Beth to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to have the power and the presence of God in her life from, from this, this time forward. So it's an exciting thing, but it's a sign of commitment. And if you haven't been baptized, you could probably think where you are now. Just imagine what it's going to be like to maybe get up and to, and to, and to get in that water, um, and to get completely soaking wet in that water um, amongst people that you've never met before. It's a, it's, it's a pretty gutsy act, isn't it, if you think about it? Okay, so, so Beth is demonstrating massive commitment just by getting up and getting in the water. There. But it's going to be really worth it because Jesus will honor that commitment that you make tonight. So what does baptism mean? Well, it's a picture of the Christian faith. If you see that, that bit at the bottom there, um, we've, got, we've got the pool of water there. It, you, you can liken it to, to actually a tomb. Or a, um, so that, so that, that there is, is a tomb. And so tonight what Beth is going to do is she's going to go down in the water and then um, I'm gonna, I, I and Kate are going to dunk her completely under the water and hold her there for maybe five, ten minutes or so until we make, make sure that she's completely done. And then we'll bring her up again. Um, of course, it won't be that long. It'll be about a second. It may seem like, uh, like that, but uh, it's only about a second. Okay, so that, that, that signifies the death of Jesus in Jesus dying on Good Friday and then being buried in the tomb. So, Beth, you're going to come down and you're going to die and get buried in that tomb. Okay, Jesus was in the tomb for three days. You're not going to be under there for three days. It's only going to be, as I say, a second. And then Jesus rose again from the dead. You're going to rise again and walk out, having turned around and walking out out this way here, a sign of your repentance. So it's showing, showing very much that you are dying to your old way of life and arising again 
into a new life with Jesus. So it's a great picture. It's a great, a great drama, if you like, this evening that's going to be going on in this place as we see the wonderful power of God to change people's lives. So that's baptism for us tonight and our home. I've left my order of service down there. Could some? Is Katie going to? Right, all exciting bit here. So Beth, Beth is going to come up now. Come on, Beth. And, and with Beth is Kate here. Because um, at this point, we're actually like, like the people to, uh, who are going to get baptized to share their testimony, to share their story of, of what's, what's happened and what's brought them to this point. So Beth, do you want to say hi to everyone? <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling? Excited but nervous. Okay, good. Well, this evening, Kate's going to read out um, the testimony that Beth Beth has prepared earlier on. So we'd like to do that now, Kate. Beth doesn't realise how much I hate being at the front with this (laughs) mic either. Um, But I'm going to read for her. So I'm going to read her words. Uh, So this is Beth, and she's 18. And she's currently working as a hairdressing apprentice in Plimpton. And she's doing this to save up the money to save... Uh, to study midwifery at a Christian college in America. This has been her plan since she came to know Jesus. It was her best friend who helped her to start her Christian journey by inviting her to the youth group at St. Buda Baptist Church. She didn't grow up in a Christian household, so it's taken her a little while. I'm not sure how long that little while is. A couple of years. It's fair enough to adjust, but Muttley has really helped her along the way. She feels that being a midwife is what she's called to do, to be closely working with the Lord's newest creations. And she feels that there's no better day to be baptised than today, as what being baptised symbolises is especially remembered today. Excellent. Is that good news? Encouraged by what you've heard there? I'll just give better round of applause. Excellent. I'd like to take your seat. Um, we're going to sing a couple more songs as, as we prepare um, for the for the baptism. So, so uh, and then and, and then in a few moments' time, um, after the songs, we'll baptise Beth. Um, if you want to come forward and get a better view, then feel free to do that. Come around the front here. I think it's going to be up on the screen as well. There's a video camera up there. So, well, thank you, Paul. Cool. Hi, guys. We're going to stand and sing uh, Beth's choices song tonight. Oceans. feeling now? Cut old. Old? Yeah. How's the water? It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait till you get completely covered in it in a moment. That'll be great. Now, Beth, it's, it's a real um, delight for us to be stood here in this, in this pool of tepid water uh, tonight <laughs> because we know that God is doing something really special in your life and, and that God has, do, has done something special already and that, you, and, that you want to, to, and that you want to give your whole life to him. And this is really a very special thing uh, for you and, and for us and indeed for everyone here tonight to, to witness this with you. But before we do baptise you, I, ne- I need to ask you to actually declare your faith in Jesus. And I'm going to do that by, by asking you to make three, three vows tonight, of which I'd like you to, to reply with the words, I do. So Beth, do you repent from your sin and renounce the devil and all his works? I do. 
Do you confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord? I do. Amen. And do you offer your life in service to God wherever he may call you to go? I do. Amen. That's wonderful. Beth, I know that uh, you, you, you received some, uh, some preparation in baptism uh, from Martin and Emphis, who are not here this evening. But they had a, a, a verse that they, they, they felt that God had given them to give to you from the Bible. And it comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 33, verse 6. And I'll read that out to you now. It says, He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. That's a wonderful verse, a promise that you can hold on to from this time forward throughout your life, wherever God may lead you. And so, Beth, because you've declared your faith in Jesus Christ, and because you've asked us to, we're now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So wasn't that fabulous just now? Yeah, Beth, you, I was amazed at how, how deep down you went in, in that pool. <laughs> it's, it's the deepest I've, I think I've, I've been with a baptismal candidate for a long time in that water. So it was really, really, really clear that you were, you, you were done with the, the, the previous way of life and keen to also rise up again to new life in Jesus. Um, so it was a great, a great uh, experience for us tonight. And I'm sure, and I, I know it was for you as well. In a few moments, we're going to turn to the Bible and read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But before we do that, I've got a, a, a short video which is going to come up on the screen that will set the scene uh, for, for the rest of the evening, in, f- in fact, for the whole of the evening. If you've got your Bibles with you, perhaps you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen uh, behind me. I'm going to be reading from verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, we mentioned earlier, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, 
Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all others. But, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is God's holy and powerful word. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, your timeless word that you've, you've, you've written for us to read and to feed on and to grow through. God, tonight as we, as we uh, explore this passage together, God, we ask that we would meet with you and Lord, that you would do your work in our lives because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard of a miracle this week, an, an undertaker in, in Germany passed out in shock when he was in, in a chapel and a dead woman opened the coffin and sat up and looked at him, groaning, where am I? In German, of course, rather than English, I'm sure. The guy came round a few moments later to find the, the, the woman lying in her coffin with her eyes wide open. She was taken off to hospital. Sadly, she died two days later. But the, the article in the newspaper went on to say that police are investigating how she came to be pronounced dead in the first place. Of course, the assumption there was that she hadn't really died. But had she? But had she? There's a question. Death is all around in the news, isn't it? We've, you know, if, you, if you just go back a week or so, there's that awful German Wings aircraft crash. We think of ISIS on the news pretty much every day. Natural disasters. We think about the, the general election coming up and the NHS. What's going to happen to the NHS? Uh, what, what, are the, what, what are the different parties going to do about it? I think it's pretty much not going to be touched by anybody because politicians know that if you touch the NHS, you're not going to be in a job for very much longer. Healthcare and preventive medicine, of course, are very important. But aren't they just putting off the inevitable? We're all going to die one day just like that lady there in that hospital. Woody Allen spoke for many, said, when he said, I'm not afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Paul, that we're reading from tonight, a bit, bit later in that chapter, says in verse 32, quoting the Old Testament book of Isaiah, says, Let's, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And that could be a great motto for life, but it probably is a great motto for lots of people's lives around the world, and certainly I, I would imagine in this country. But isn't it a little bit depressing? Well, I think it's a little bit depressing. If, that's, if, if, if this is all there is, then what is the point? What is the point? Is there no purpose to life? But of course today is Easter Day, isn't it? A day when, when the church for 2,000 years has been celebrating the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead. An event that our video said changes everything. It's the day when, when, when Jesus' um, friends went to the tomb early in the morning to go and 
uh, basically to embalm his body. And they got there, and the stone was rolled away, and there were angels sitting, sitting where, where Jesus had been lying. And they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And they went out, and they met Jesus in the garden. Some of them did. And they went back and told their friends, and so they were just really confused about what has happened. What's, what's going on here? They couldn't believe that Jesus had risen again from the dead. But then as you read on, there were lots of other accounts where Jesus came and met with them. He met with them as they were all meeting together, terrified about what was going to happen to them. And Jesus came and brought peace to them, walking, it it seems, through locked doors. And many other occasions that we, we heard about there when Jesus came and showed these people that he really was alive. Maybe the confusing thing about it is that Jesus told his followers before he died that he was going to die and rise again. So they'd heard it. They'd heard it, but for some reason it hadn't gone in. And maybe that's true for some of us here tonight. Maybe we've heard it, but it's not gone in. Did Jesus really rise again from the dead? Did Jesus rise again from the dead? I don't know what you think about that tonight, but of course you're thinking about it right now. We're going to look in a moment about the things that Jesus' life, well, Jesus rising again did actually change. We're going to talk about everything. There's no time for that tonight, but we'll talk about a few things for that. But the question we need to ask for ourselves is, did Jesus really rise again from the dead? Now, some people will tell us that Jesus rose again spiritually, that actually when he died, his spirit left his body and he kind of went off to heaven. And a lot of people have that idea that's what happens to us. We think, yeah, when I die, I can get my body cremated and my spirit will go off to heaven. And that's the kind of thing that happened to Jesus. Other, other people think, well, yeah, the resurrection thing, it's, it's more, of a, more of a spiritual resurrection as much as his followers like to believe that he rose again from the dead. So, yeah, in a sense, they can say that they believed in that and, and actually believing that happened gives them some comfort in life. And so, yeah, it's fine to believe that, that, he, that he rose, because he didn't really, really rise physically. He just rose as an idea. And it's a great idea to have, to bring comfort to people. But, but Paul is very, very clear in what we read this evening, that actually, if Jesus didn't rise again physically, i.e. his body, then we're wasting our time here tonight. And Beth, you got wet for nothing if that is the case. Okay? Now, you didn't get wet for nothing because it's not the case. But basically, that's what it, what it is. The Christian faith stands or falls on whether Jesus rose again physically from the dead or not. That is it. Okay? That is, that is the, 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 the kind of uh, the kingpin, if you like, that holds everything together. Paul says in verse 19, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all others. Okay? The Christian faith is about this life, very much so. It's about today, and it's about what you're going to be facing tomorrow and the days to come. But it's also about eternity as well. So, did Jesus really rise again from the dead? There were lots of, lots of people who say, well, no, he didn't, because he didn't actually die on the cross. You may have heard that particular argument. People have maybe said that to you. That actually just passed out on the cross, that he, he fainted. And then he came around three days later and got out of the tomb somehow. Mm, pretty unlikely, but if you think about the fact that he was hanging on a cross for six hours in, in, the, in the very bright Judean sunshine, 
um, and, and he was suffocated to death anyway. The fact that he, he was nailed to a cross for six hours, he probably wouldn't have had the strength to push the stone away anyway. But of course the soldiers were convinced that he was dead because if a prisoner escapes, then it costs the soldier his life. Soldiers wouldn't let Jesus be uh, any any doubt over whether Jesus was dead or not. It was more than their lives were worth. Um, in, the, in, the book, in the book of John, we read, actually, that when, when Jesus died, as the soldiers put a spear into him, out came water and blood, which I understand to, believe that, to be the clot and the serum in blood. So the fact that, actually, the blood separated within Jesus, something that wasn't medically known 2,000 years ago, and yet it was written and recorded in the Bible for us to know that Jesus really did die on that cross. So the idea that Jesus didn't die but just came back round a few days later, rubbish, I would say. The second theory is that actually perhaps the disciples, Jesus' followers, stole his body and they took it away and they just started a rumour that Jesus had risen again from the dead. Well, yeah, I suppose you could, you could imagine that kind of an argument. But if you think about who these people were and just what was going on in their lives and how, how when Jesus died that they just fled, fled in fear of their own lives and just locked themselves away from the general public, how just a few weeks later, as we said earlier on, that Peter, one of, one of them, the fishermen, could get up and preach a really powerful sermon and see 3,000 people come to believe in the risen Jesus and get baptised in one day. Peter actually went on throughout, throughout his life to, to, to do lots of preaching in lots of places and finally was crucified himself, so tradition says. It's one thing, isn't it, to, to actually live for a lie. Quite something else, I would say, to die for a lie. Can you imagine anyone dying for a lie when they knew that they were dying for a lie? So it's very, very unlikely, I'd say impossible, that Jesus' disciples stole his body. Life was just too tough then afterwards. Other people say, well, the authorities stole his body. But of course, if the authorities stole his body, why didn't they produce it? Why didn't they say, here we are, here's the body of the dead Jesus, you Christians. Now pack up and go home and stop causing trouble. It never happened. Why didn't it happen? Because Jesus rose from the dead. The final, the final theory that I want to talk about tonight is that robbers stole the body. People say, well, actually, yeah, these, these robbers came along and they saw the body of Jesus and they thought, yeah, this is, this, this is useful, so we'll, we'll steal the body. But of course, if you were a robber, stealing bodies, I mean, I've got no experience with it myself, but I imagine that you'd want to you be selling it on to the highest bidder afterwards. So you may want to sell it on to the disciples, or you may want to sell it on to the authorities. You're certainly not going to keep it for yourself. So again, it seems to be an argument that just kind of falls by the wayside. Lee Strobel, an American journalist who wasn't a Christian um, for um, much of his early life, his professional life, he, he then became a Christian later on. He said the historical evidence for the resurrection establishes convincingly that Jesus is divine. So if you've got any questions tonight as to whether Jesus did rise again physically, I know I've brushed through this, hopefully you've got a sense that actually the evidence is really stacked in the favour of Jesus rising from the dead. In fact, you know, there, there are people still looking for the body of Jesus today. And every now and again we get news about 
And archaeologists finding what they think is the body of Jesus, and it goes away again as quickly as it came along. They keep looking. Why can't they find it? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus has risen from the dead, physically. Physically. And that makes all the difference. It changes everything, as we heard on our DVD um, just a moment ago. So three things I just want to say this evening before we come to a close. First of all, what does, what does the resurrection change? It changes the fact that death is not the end. I love what Jesus said in the moments before he died on the cross. He was crucified, as you saw on that, on that video, with, 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 with two thieves, one either side of him. And one of them said to him, he realized that who, who Jesus was, that he was the Son of God. And he turned to him and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to that guy and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to die a horrible death in a few moments on this cross, but actually that is not going to be the end for you. You're going to go on and you're going to live with me for eternity in paradise. Death was not the end for him. Death is not the end for Jesus. Death is not the end for us. There is life beyond the grave. We will live again. And if you're a bit creaky today like I am, we get new bodies as well. And that's an added bonus, okay? Because our new bodies won't be as creaky as mine is, and maybe some of yours are as well. Okay, we'll get a new body, just like Jesus got a new body, okay? And we will live again for eternity. One of the the great verses that we like to, to share with one another uh, in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. Okay, death is not the end. The second thing to draw from what Jesus has changed is that we can now have a new relationship with God. Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, in verse 17. Of course, but, but of course Christ has risen again. Our faith is not futile, and we're no longer in our sins. People have got very different views about what God is like. Some people think of him as an angry old man with a big long white beard, sat in heaven, telling us off and stopping us having fun. Lots of different ways that people see God. But the gospel, the gospel tells us that God is a God who loves us. The Bible elsewhere defines, defines God as God is love. So God is all loving. It's an incredible story that we read about in the Bible that, that's shown by the resurrection to be a true story. The story is that God created this world for every one of us to be able to enjoy. So that life should be good and fulfilling and enriching and and, 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 and really positive in every respect. God made us to, to care for creation and for each other and to live in relationship with him. The story breaks down very early on in the Bible and, we can, and you can read about that in your own time after this evening if you're not familiar with it. But it says that sin came into the world. God, God wants us to love him. So he's given us free will. So we can choose to to love him or choose to not love him. We can choose to receive his love or choose to reject his love. If you think about it, without free will, love doesn't work. 
we're being controlled by God to love him, we can't really love him properly. So that is not what love is. And it didn't take long for this relationship that, that Adam and Eve, as we read about in Genesis, broke down as, as they decided that they could do things better on their own, thank you very much. And maybe that's, I'm sure, that's, that's certainly my experience. Maybe that's your experience as well through life. And, and that's certainly best experience through life as well. Hence she came to tonight realizing that actually something had to change in that. That actually we can't make good decisions always for ourselves. We need to follow the maker's instructions. God could so easily have wiped everything out and said, that's it, project over, if you like. But he didn't. He stuck with us. And that's really encouraging for those of us that have been following Jesus a long time and maybe things are a bit tough today. God sticks with us through this. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, change his mind about loving people when things get tough and when things get difficult. But God continues to love. We saw there about Jesus dying on the cross. One of, one of the stories that tells us about Jesus dying on the cross says that when he died, the temple, the curtain, there was a big curtain in the temple that basically divided the area between the Holy of Holies where, where God, God's presence was and, and the outer courts of the temple. People couldn't go into the Holy of Holies without being destroyed, without being killed because God is so holy and they were so unholy. But the, 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 the story in Matthew's Gospel says that the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, which to me says that God is saying, I, 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 I now can have relationship with you and you can now have relationship with me. We can be together. There doesn't need to be any separation. Nothing needs to come between you and me and me and you. We can be together. We can be in relationship. And so the price is paid for our sin. No matter what we've done wrong in our lives, no matter how we've lived our lives up till now, whether it's been really bad or just a little bit bad, it doesn't actually matter when it comes down to it. God loves you and God has got a better plan for your life. God wants you to live in relationship with him and you can meet him tonight and you can experience God in similar ways to how Beth has experienced God throughout these, these recent couple of years as well. We've all done wrong and we don't deserve God's love. That's, that's, that's a really important thing to get hold of, isn't it? Actually, we don't deserve any of this. Beth didn't deserve Jesus to, to die for you, did you? No. No, I didn't deserve Jesus to die for me either. But Jesus still died for us. Okay. In Jesus' death and resurrection, we can find mercy and we can find grace. Words that come up a lot in our singing tonight. The mercy is that our sins are forgiven. God didn't have to do it. He chose to do that. And grace, because we have received God's love instead of his condemnation. The God that we're worshipping tonight, the God that many of us in this place know, is the God who says, I love you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. You are is that good news? Yes, that's good news, isn't it? So we can have a relationship with God and we can know that death is not the end. The final thing I want to say, of course, is that we've got a new horizon. Easter opens up a new horizon. Thinking of the guys out in Nepal as they waited for the sun to rise this morning and they looked out over the Himalayas. That was, must have been, as I said, an amazing view for them. As we come to believe in Jesus, believe in the risen Jesus, God puts before us a new horizon. 
everything changes in our life. It doesn't have to be as it was before. Pope Francis recently complained that there are Christians who, whose lives seem like Lent without Easter. Well, that was an interesting thing that he, he said. I think it's those people who, who forget that Jesus has risen. We're just caught up in suffering and hardship and, and, and denying ourselves and trying to earn God's favour. When actually Jesus has risen and saying, actually you don't need to earn my favour because I love you. I love you. When we see death is not just the end, it isn't, isn't the end of life, but it's merely a transition to eternity with Christ, we should find that we want to live life differently. We'll want others to know this incredible news as well. Maybe you can think of people tonight who you know and love, who just don't know this news that Jesus really has risen physically from the dead and is alive today. Perhaps having as much fun as possible in this life isn't really the best way to live it. Maybe working so hard to get the best possible retirement in this life is not the way to live it. Maybe we need to be thinking a little bit about beyond the grave as well. Paul, Paul we've spoken about tonight, the guy who wrote this, this book that we were reading from, he had his life completely turned around when he met Jesus. He was actually out to persecute Christians. He was on his way to a place called Damascus that we all know now from, from what's going on in the news um, and in Syria to round up Christians and to take them back to Jerusalem and get them beaten or worse. He didn't like Christians. But Jesus loved Paul. And so on the road to Damascus, you've all heard the phrase, haven't you? A Damascus Road experience. This is where it comes from. Jesus met him on that road. And Paul came to believe that Jesus was physically risen from the dead and he changed his life completely. He turned his life around. And instead of being a persecutor of Christians, he became a preacher of the Christian gospel and took it far and near across the known world. Over the next 300 years after Jesus rose again from the dead, the Christian message went out throughout the whole of the known world. So all around the Mediterranean regions and North Africa, and that sort of area there. Because what was going on was these, these ordinary people, just like Peter and, and Paul and, and many others, ordinary people said, actually, I, I really want you to know Jesus, that actually Jesus loves you, that God has dealt with your sin and you can have life and you can have life in all its fullness. And it all comes through Jesus who rose again from the dead. And you can meet this Jesus. You can meet this Jesus just as I have. And of course, many, many people came to believe in him. As they went, they healed the sick, they cast out demons, they dealt with injustice, they fed the hungry, they cared for widows and orphans, all the things that Jesus was doing. You can imagine how the world changed and what it was at the beginning of, of Jesus' time to what it was like 300 years later. And today there are over 2 billion Christians in this world, people who believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. So as we think about Easter, I believe that God is calling us all to recenter our lives on the risen Jesus and to think about his resurrection from the dead. It's a story that, that should give us hope, hope for the future, no matter what we're going through personally. It should give us joy, the fact that God loves us 
and that we're going to be with him for all eternity. It should give us hope that actually when life is tough, that there are going to be better days. There are going to be better days because the resurrection is good news for all of us. And when we get to, to that, that heavenly kingdom that we're, that we're thinking about tonight in the, in the, the life after death, it's, it's a time when there'll be no more suffering or pain or sorrow or death. We read elsewhere in the Bible. God has got a purpose for each of us here. And Beth, you, you want to go off to the, to the States and do midwifery training, I guess because you want to be a midwife and help, help mums and, and babies. There's terrific need for midwives around, around the world, it's particularly in, 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 in uh, developing countries. But there are loads of needs everywhere we go. We don't have to look very, very far, do we, to, to see people in need. Happens here in Plymouth, of course. Lots of people that the Monday Baptist Church are working with. People that you're perhaps know, or people that God is calling you to go and serve with your life, to go and bring that good news of Jesus that is, is a spiritual good news, that actually Jesus rose physically from the dead and you've got, a, you've got a future beyond the grave, but also it's physical good news to them as well because you can help them to actually live, live lives as Jesus would have them live. You can go and serve them as Jesus serves us. That's the exciting way to live. It's exciting if we can put our, our lives into God's hands and say, God, take me wherever you want to, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Just as Beth said tonight in the pool. Wherever it, wherever it is you want me to go, I'll go and I'll serve you in that place. And it will be an exciting life. It'll be a life that you know that you can trust God completely with without having to worry about the finances for the future because God will provide for you. How do I know that? Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive. Paul finishes his, his um, chapter here um, with a great verse in verse 58. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why is it not in vain? What's the answer? Because Jesus is Jesus is alive. That's what you've got it, haven't you? So even when the world's against us, said our video, God is for us, and this changes everything. Amen. Amen. So how do we refocus on Jesus? Those of you who haven't yet met Jesus, haven't yet begun to follow him, well, you can believe in the gospel that we've, that we've spoken about this evening. It, it may be that, that that's, that's, what, that's what you need to do this evening. And there are, there are people at the front at the end of the service who can pray with you to, to actually come to know Jesus for yourself. If that's what you'd like to do. It may be that you've been so touched by, by Beth and her courage in going through that water, thinking, actually, I think God's calling me to get baptized as well. And if that's you tonight, and if we could encourage you to come and chat to, to me or one of the others at the front here um, as we come to a close in a few moments. If that's not you, then maybe what you need tonight is just a fresh, a, fresh, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to enable God to empower you and to re-envision you to go and do what it is he's called you to do. All right? But Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. He's here by his Spirit. And that changes everything. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll sing a song before we go. 
God, we want to thank you that Jesus is alive and that that changes everything. God, we thank you that we don't have to think our, our normal kind of human ways of thinking, our, our often quite secular ways as we get, get affected by the wider culture that doesn't believe that you, that you are alive. Help us, God, today to see things from your perspective. Help us to see that Jesus being alive does change everything for us individually and as a people. God, we thank you that death is not the end. We thank you that we can have a new relationship with you. We thank you too that you want to give us a new horizon and walk towards towards that horizon with us. So Lord, would you be with us and encourage us, Lord, as we go out into, into this year until we celebrate Easter again. We pray that we might truly be Easter people that take this good news with us wherever we go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now may the loving power of God, which raised Jesus to new life, may it strengthen you in hope, enrich you with his love, and fill you with joy as you go out and live for him. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.